why I don't want this video to go on the internet. I don't want them to know. <laughs> I don't want them to know what we know. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We begin with Allah's blessed name. We praise Him and we glorify Him. And we pray for peace and blessings on all His noble messengers. On our father Adam, alayhi salam. On our father Abraham, alayhi salam. And on Moses, on Jesus, and on his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and on the last of them all, the Prophet Muhammad. Allah's blessings be upon them all. We will share with you this moment, this blessed moment that we have together tonight. I don't know the name of this part of the London. Is it Harrow? Harrow. Harrow. Okay. Uh, this blessed moment that we have tonight here in Harrow. Uh, Harrow is a part of City of London? Yes, Great, Greater London. Greater London, Greater right. London. Uh, in this small gathering here at the home of our brother, whose name I will not disclose. Uh, and uh, to share with you uh, our Islamic eschatological view pertaining to the great war that the Christians refer to as Armageddon and our Prophet Allah's blessings be upon him referred to as Malhama and uh, which is going to be a war like no other war has ever been and most certainly no other war would ever be. <laughs> How could I say such a thing? Listen to what our Prophet said. Allah's blessings be upon him. He said that the river Euphrates, which is in Iraq, will uncover a mountain of gold and that people would fight for that gold? I have to speak slowly, even though I'm speaking to an English-speaking audience. It's nice to be speaking to an English-speaking audience, and I don't have to speak in French with my broken French or my broken Urdu or so. So, alhamdulillah. But the problem is that it's sometimes difficult for people to absorb something new <laughs> so i have to speak slowly with the hope that it might penetrate be absorbed that uh, the river euphrates will uncover a mountain of gold and that people would fight for that gold and that 99 out of every 100 who fight for that goal, therefore, who are combatants, would be killed. There's never been a war in history 
in which 99% of all combatants have been killed and only 1% has survived. And each would say, I will be the one who will survive. And so they enter into that war not knowing <laughs> what's going to be the outcome. This has to be a war which uses weapons of mass destruction. It cannot be conventional warfare, no. There's never been a war like that in history. Today we have something called, I don't know whether you've heard about it here in London, but in the rest of the world we know about it as nuclear weapons. And thermonuclear weapons. Has it, have you heard about it in London? Nuclear weapons? Oh, good, fine. I'm happy to know that London knows about it. London is a very busy place, you know. <laughs> so, so there, there are weapons called nuclear weapons and thermonuclear weapons. And was it the Russian defense minister just said we need to send only two of our missiles to, and Britain will be gone with two. The whole of Britain will be gone with two. Let us send that message. So these are weapons never before used in history. That's the state of the military science today. So each would say, I would be the one who would survive, not knowing who is going to survive. But those who believe in the one God and who belong to the community which follows Prophet Muhammad, Allah's blessing be upon him, who are called Muslims, when in fact anyone who worships the one God is a Muslim. But we have hijacked the term, <laughs> so we are the only Muslims. <laughs> the Muslims must not touch that goal, so we are not going to be in part of that war. Uh, there is a, a, a difference of opinion pertaining to methodology for the study of the scriptures, the Quran and the Hadith. Hadith would be the guidance which has come from the Prophet uh, that uh, one part of the world of Islamic scholarship says they call the Salafi. The, they say that no verse of the Quran or no hadith of the Prophet can be interpreted no. unless the Prophet himself interpreted it or it was done by the early Muslims. So if the Prophet said that a mountain of the metal gold will come out from underneath the river, we are obliged to wait for that. And then we have another part of the world of Islam, which, is sim which has similar methodology to Christians and to Jews and so on, in which we say, no, we are allowed to interpret religious symbolism when we recognize it as symbolism. And we say this is symbolism. So don't wait for a mountain of the metal to come out from underneath the river. No. 
this is symbolic language. We have said that our interpretation is that it is an ocean of oil underneath the river, which will one day function as a mountain of gold. And that is what happened when the US dollar lost. It lost the fig leaf that it had in the Bretton Woods Accord and the International Monetary Fund, that the US dollar was backed by gold. <laughs> when that was lost, then the US dollar was in no man's land. It could have collapsed, oh yes, for two years. What were those two years? From when to when? You can't answer that question, no dinner for you. 71 to 73. 71 to 73. Alhamdulillah, you're going to get dinner. 1971 to 1973 and then in 1974 they pulled this rabbit out of the bag it was Henry Kissinger who did it and uh, got a deal with King Faisal of Saudi Arabia the poor king didn't have more than peanuts in his head <laughs> yes yes and uh, he agreed to the request of Henry Kissinger that oil should be sold for only, only U.S. dollars. You couldn't buy oil with anything else but U.S. dollars. That was bogus. That was fraudulent. That was haram. <laughs> that was illegal in terms of our law. But the king agreed to it. Even if you came with gold dinar, you couldn't buy oil. When Saudi Arabia got all the other oil-producing countries to agree, they would sell oil for only U.S. dollars, and then OPEC also agreed, then the petrodollar was born. And that's what the U.S. dollar is today. Now, I'm aware that most of you would know already all of this, most of you, because you've been listening to me. But some may not be aware, so please be patient with me, okay? So the petrodollar was born in 1974. The US dollar is no longer backed by gold. Now it is backed by oil. So long as there is a demand for the US dollar, you can keep on printing. And you have to have US dollars if you want to buy oil. And oil is the largest commodity traded in the world market. So every government in the world was now forced to ensure that they have a substantial amount of US dollars for the purposes of buying oil. And then the US dollar from oil became also the money of trade and the money of, tra of traveling and the money of um, by paying for, for goods from this, you, you in Malaysia and you want to buy from China, you have to pay in US dollars. <laughs> so then the US dollar became a petrodollar and an ocean of oil underneath the river began to function as a mountain of gold. This was what year? 74, 1974. Were you born yet? Was born a few days after 71. 71. Okay. Now then, 
But he went on to say that there's going to, there's going to be a war. They're going to fight for that mountain of gold. Meaning, there's going to be a threat to the petrodollar monetary system. And that's going to precipitate the war. That threat has come now. This unjust, bogus, fraudulent, exploitative monetary system, which is functioning like a vacuum cleaner that you clean your carpets, and it's sucking the wealth of mankind, like a vacuum cleaner. And one part of the world is growing constantly poorer, and the other part is constantly growing richer. It can't continue forever. And now the counterattack has been launched. It started some years ago when Russia and China and India and who are the other two? Brazil, Brazil. Brazil South and South Africa. You can't be in Nelson Mandela's country and not have some backbone. Huh? <laughs> Although I think that, what was his wife's name? Winnie, I think she had more bank board than him. Eh? <laughs> Good. So, BRICS came into being. Russia, China, India, Brazil, and South Africa. To challenge the petrodollar monetary system. And they didn't like it at all. When they don't like what you're doing, they attack your money. And your money starts to lose value. And as the money loses value, prices rise. They did it to a man called Robert Mugabe because they didn't like what he did. They had made a deal with Robert Mugabe that we'll transfer power to you on the condition that the slave master will continue to own all the land of Zimbabwe. And the slaves will only have little pieces here and there. All the fertile land. And Mugabe signed and became president. But then after some 20, 30 years, the slaves become restless now. Slave master still owns all the land. And when it became threatening to his rule, then the great revolutionary Robert Mugabe then said, no, now we'll take away the land from them. <laughs> great revolutionary. So when he took the land away from the white, the British, they're all British, the British government didn't like that. And their friends didn't like that. So they attacked the Zimbabwe dollar. I landed in Harare about eight years ago. My flight was early and my people were not there to receive me. So I had to call them on the phone to tell them I'm, I've reached. So I needed to change some South African rands to Zimbabwe dollars. So I had a 20, 20 rand note. I said, that should be enough. So when I went to change it, I asked them how much do I need to make a local call? And they said, you need $2 million. <laughs> huh? Two million Zimbabwe dollars to make a local call. That is what they do to you.
when you step out of line. It's the most dangerous weapon that they have. And they did it to Chavez in Venezuela. I changed 100 US and I got Venezuelan money this high. <laughs> but they can only do that with the banana republics. They can't do that with China. They can't do that with Russia. The, the, the weapon of inflation is not going to work when the economy is too big. So they failed to destroy the Russian money. <laughs> now, the counter-attack is being launched not only by BRICS, but this month, the month of March, what is happening in China? Right. The Chinese are now saying, we are prepared to pay you in Chinese Yuan for oil and anything else we buy. The Chinese cannot say we'll pay you in gold. Why? 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 Because the Articles of Agreement of the International Monetary Fund prohibit the use of gold as money. So we know that came from Shaitan, from Satan. <laughs> See, if you have gold in the market, all the bogus money will be destroyed. You have to keep gold out of the market. So the Chinese cannot pay for oil with gold. So the Chinese say, we will pay for your oil with Yuan, Chinese Yuan. But when we pay you with the Yuan, we are prepared to redeem the Yuan for gold. So the Chinese are not breaking the law. <laughs> Smart. And since now China has overtaken the United States as the biggest market, the biggest importer of oil in the world, you have to be careful when you say no to the Chinese, you lose your biggest market. Hmm? And when your name is Mohammed bin Salman, and you're not particularly, you don't particularly care that the United States should continue to remain the ruling state in the world. Why? I made a mistake, you know. Some 20 years ago, I said Saudi Arabia and Israel were sisters. It was a mistake. Actually, 20 years ago, they were only cousins. Now they are sisters. <laughs> so it's because Israel wants to replace the United States with a Pax Judaica to replace Pax Americana. And when Israel becomes a ruling state, then a man will stand up in Jerusalem as the ruler of Israel and declare what? What will he declare? I am the Messiah. But would he be the son of Mary? No. <laughs> no. He would be the false Messiah, Dajjal, the false Messiah. So Saudi Arabia, I believe, this month of March, when the Chinese start their offer now to pay in Yuan, uh, if 
Saudi Arabia agrees to that, goodbye to the US dollar. Goodbye to the US dollar. That's the last nail in the coffin. Uh, that's not going to be the only thing to bring down the US dollar. You need more than that. You need something called cryptocurrencies, yes. Those who brought cryptocurrencies into the market have done something which avoids control of governments, avoids control of the banking system, so it's beneficial for people who have been oppressed. <laughs> but the reason why they have done it is because they want to use cryptocurrencies to bring down the monetary system based on the US dollar. And they don't want the US dollar to crash because that's going to cause anarchy in the United States. Americans have a lot of things they call, you know, guns. You can go in the shop and buy guns in the United States, any amount you want. The law allows you. So there are huge amounts of guns stored up at homes in the United States. And if the US dollar crashes, there's going to be anarchy in the United States. Kidding. So they want the US dollar should have a soft landing rather than a crash. And cryptocurrencies is intended to do that. But our prophet said they're going to fight for the mountain of gold. And we are now located at precisely that moment in time. Not 20 years ago, not 50 years ago. At that precise moment in time when the war for the mountain of gold can take place at any time. The events in Ukraine, the events in Korea, uh, somebody was poisoned with some kind of a poison. All of these are diversions. They are meant to divert attention from the essential reason why they want to attack Russia and China, not just Russia. Because Russia and China are the two pillars which are threatening their dominance in the world. They want to rule the world. And the only way that they can rule the world is if they rule the world of money. Shall I repeat that? <laughs> the only way that they can continue to rule the world is if they continue to rule the world of money. But they won't teach you this at university. <laughs> don't, bother to, don't bother to get this from university. No. We don't know when the attack will take place. Nobody knows. I expected it two years ago, that nuclear war would have already taken place. But it has not taken place as yet. We made, we prayed to Allah. And when I went to Moscow, I'm lecturing on Islamic eschatology in Moscow. And sitting on my left-hand side was one of Russia's eminent uh, 
Christian, Orthodox Christian eschatologist. And I was teaching and explaining our eschatology, and then he said something to me. He said, we have something that although it is written that this will take place, our eschatology says we can pray and the Lord God can postpone. I said, my gosh, that makes a lot of sense. So I learned something new from Orthodox Christianity. They taught me. So we prayed because we didn't want the, the, the Great War two years ago. And that's why Hillary did not win the election. <laughs> the schoolboy took over the country, but never mind. Never mind the schoolboy took over, but Hillary did not win. If Hillary had won the election, we probably would have had the Great War already. I don't think the American armed forces want to fight Russia, knowing it's going to be a nuclear war. No. I don't think the British armed forces and the French armed forces want to fight Russia, no. Knowing it's going to be a nuclear war. And now that Putin has just announced one week or two weeks ago that we now have weapons that your shield, your missile shield, cannot stop. We can penetrate your missile shields. So when we, when we send our missiles upon your country, you cannot prevent it from landing, from exploding. So it is absolutely certain now. And Putin doesn't tell lies, you know. It's one of the nice things about not telling lies. When you tell lies, you know there are three kinds of lies. There are normal lies, and then there are great lies, and then there is 9-11. <laughs> so when you tell lies, one day your lies will come back to haunt you. This false flag, je suis Charlie, je suis Charlie, je suis Charlie, yeah? One day your lies will come back to haunt you. But when, like Russia, you build a profile that you never tell lies, no. And when you say something, you mean it. Then eventually, people respect you. And today, they have to respect the president of Russia. But our people in our camp, waging their bogus jihad in Syria, they have only two things to say. They say, Putin this and Putin that and Putin that and Putin that and Assad this and Assad that and Assad that and Assad that. They're just a waste of time, so let's not bother with them. <laughs> so now we know that there is assured destruction of the Western world if nuclear war takes place. The Western world will not survive because Russia has the military capacity to destroy the West and they cannot put, prevent it. So will the war take place? Yes, the scriptures say. Despite rational, rational conviction that we should not have nuclear war, the scriptures say, our prophet has said that it will take place. He calls it the Malhammer. And the Christians have the same thing. They call it Armageddon. The Jews have the same thing. 
So perhaps it might be a false flag attack to provoke Russia to respond. The mother of all false flags attacks. Hmm? Perhaps that's what's going to take place. When it does take place, there's going to be massive destruction in the world. Towns and cities and countries are going to be destroyed. Surely, the Quran would tell us something about that, because the Quran says that it explains all things. Where does it say so? Is it in Surah Al-Baqarah? Where? That Allah has sent down this book to explain all things. You want dinner tonight? No? Not, not Surah Al-Baqarah, no. Alif Lam Mim? What which Surah are you, you quoting? No, no. Okay, so no dinner for you, all right. Surah Al-Nahl, which is Surah number 16. So you've not been doing your homework, that's clear now. وَنَزَّلْنَا وَنَزَّلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ تِبِيَانًا لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ And we have sent down this book on thee, O Muhammad sallallahu ta'ala that this book might explain all things. The, the Bible also does the same thing. The Gospel also does the same thing. The Quran does it. But the Quran says that this book is pre divinely protected. Washington could try what they want. They cannot change this book. <laughs> and so there's only one, one, one text of the Quran existing in the whole world today. No two texts, no three, only one. That's proof. That is proof. That after 1400 years of history, since the Quran was revealed, we still have only one solitary text. All, all people have, all copies of the Quran, one solitary. Evidence already there. So then what is the explanation that the Quran gives of a war which will destroy towns and cities? So many of them. Yes, there is a statement in the Quran, in Surah Al-Isra. And this is what Allah says. He says, and when you want to say Allah said something, Allah didn't speak English. No, he didn't speak French. And when Jesus comes back, I don't think he'll speak English. Eh? I don't think he'll speak French eh? when Jesus comes back. There's no need for him to speak English. Is the English speaking world so important? <laughs> Good. Wa'im. مِنْ قَرِيَةٍ إِلَّا نَحْنُ مُخْلِكُوهَا قَبْلَ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ أَوْ مُعَذِّبُوهَا أَذَابًا شَدِيدًا كَانَ ذَلِكَ فِي الْكِتَابِ مَسْتُورًا And there's not a single town and city that will escape, but they'll all be destroyed. 
and those which escape destruction will be punished with terrible punishment. And this is inscribed in the book. If you adopt, if you approach the verse as a schoolboy, you will say, well then, that's the end of the world, because every town and every city will be destroyed. That's what the verse is saying. <laughs> but if you approach the verse as a scholar, and you go to the totality of the Quran, you know that Allah will not destroy a city which does not deserve to be destroyed. That'll be unjust. So now we have to modify and say, no, not, no, no town and no city which deserves to be destroyed will escape in this war which is coming. So this is not a random war. <laughs> this is the war in which the Lord God will destroy every town and every city which ought to be destroyed. That's our first conclusion from Islamic eschatology. This is not a random war. This is a very important war. And Allah is going to be involved in this war. That is Surah Al-Isra. Which are those towns and cities which ought to be destroyed? Answer? The first and the first, the most obvious answer is that Allah destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for their homosexuality. And when he destroyed them, he destroyed them so that they sunk to the lowest part of the earth. There's no part of the earth lower than that. This is called the Dead Sea. And he destroyed them and said, I leave this as a sign for you. That's in the Quran. That if you return to this homosexuality, I will return with my destruction. So when you see the law in the land declares that a man can marry another man and get a marriage certificate, you know, you know, that that is a city which is doomed for destruction. Doomed for destruction. And who are those who are now making legislation that a man can marry another man and get a marriage certificate? They're Christians. Yeah. America is a Christian country. British is, Britain is a Christian country. France is a... This is Christianity of... This side, the western side. And they're putting pressure on us. If you don't enact the legislation, you're not going to get aid from the World Bank, you're not going to get money from the IMF, we're going to do this to you, we're going to do that for you. You have to make the legislation. And they started with, you know what? The age at which a girl can be married. And now the whole world has agreed with them. And there's legislation all over the world that if you are 17 years of age, haram, you cannot get married. So for the first time in human history, we know that all of human history that came before were all donkeys. And the only sensible people are those who are now living today. 
because for thousands of years a 17 year old girl could get married even the prophets of Allah will perform the marriage ceremony but now the new <laughs> the new religion in this most enlightened age says no prohibited she has to be 18 well wait those of you who support that legislation wait for the day when you have to stand before Allah yes wait for that day we have nothing more to say so tomorrow they're going to force you to have legislation in your country that a man can marry a man and get a marriage certificate but what about the other Christian world there are two Christian worlds yeah there's one Christian world which celebrates Christmas on the 25th of December. But there's another Christian world which does not do that. This one follows the Gregorian calendar. And that one follows, I think it's called the Julian calendar. And so Christmas for them is on the 7th of January. Is that correct? This one over here says a man can marry another man and get a marriage certificate. That one says not in a thousand years. Get lost. So they're not the same. The two Christian worlds, they're not the same. Which one will be destroyed by Allah? Answer. The one which returns to what was done before and Allah destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah he will destroy you again. Will he destroy those? They don't deserve to be destroyed. They say not in a thousand years will we ever agree to a man marrying another man and get in a marriage certificate. No. So it appears to me as though Allah will protect them in this war. And these will be destroyed. Which is why I don't want this video to go on the internet. I don't want them to know. <laughs> I don't want them to know what we know. Huh? Number two. Allah says in the Quran, who are those who ought to be destroyed? Allah says in the Quran, and this is the very last revelation which came down in the Quran. Very last one. On riba. You know Merchant of Venice, don't you? You studied it at school. You know about Shylock, the moneylender. And you know what he called the, the interest? A pound of flesh. That is the most brilliant, brilliant, brilliant description of usury or riba that I've ever found. And he was a sheikh. Yeah, a British sheikh. His name was Shakespeare. <laughs> a pound of flesh. <laughs> In the Quran, Allah says, Ittaqullah, fear Allah. He's talking to those who are moneylenders, the banking system. Ittaqullah, fear Allah. Give up this money lending business and sucking the wealth of mankind through money lending. 
wa illam tafa'alu and if you do not do it fa'zanu biharbin min allahi wa rasulih then take notice we're going to wage war on you take notice we're going to wage war on you i will do it and my prophet will do it that war is coming <laughs> that war is coming but before the war comes something happens to them the money lenders the western world modern western civilization these are the money lenders of the world this is shylock out here yes money lenders and when they lend you money they don't always lend you money simply to make money you know huh you know if i were to invest my money in the market in business i could make a profit but also the possibility is i could suffer loss but i don't want to suffer loss i only want the profit so i don't want to do business so how to get my money to increase with only profit and no loss answer lend the money on interest that's why Allah prohibited when an economy is based on usury money lend being lent on interest what happens money will no longer circulate through the economy the rich will remain permanently rich and the poor will be imprisoned in permanent poverty I could teach the subject of riba but there was one who could teach it better than me. He Allah blessed him with the insight he could see what others couldn't see. And Allah blessed him with an eloquence unmatched by anyone else. What was his name? He was an African American. That's right. Malcolm X. <laughs> he had an eloquence unmatched by anyone else unmatched by anyone else and a courage unmatched by anyone else yes he could have taught this subject about riba about money lending i was in manhattan i'll tell you a secret and his wife betty betty shavaz she came and she sat down at the back of the audience she wanted to know who is this fellow from trinidad only mentioning my husband's name <laughs> in New York. And uh, the subject was beyond Malcolm X, the future of Islamic leadership in the United States. And I was one of the speakers. So I gave my lecture and I said, Malcolm lived for Allah. Malcolm died for Allah. That's what we need for the future. But then I made the mistake during the lecture to say Malcolm didn't know the subject of riba or usury. Because when the nation of Islam came and sent their thugs and firebombed the house, then he, he took a loan from Alex Haley, who was writing his um, autobiography, and he went and made a mortgage. He paid on and made a mortgage to buy a house. And then, of course, he was killed. 
when the lecture was over, Betty came up to the podium, slowly walking up to talk, to give her impressions. And as she started to talk, she was talking about me, but she's not looking at me. She said, the Imam, referring to me, the Imam said, my husband live for Allah. The Imam said, my husband died for Allah. And the Imam was correct. Then she turned to me and she looked at me. She said, Imam, but he did not enter into riba. He died before he could sign the contract. <laughs> she was defending her husband. <laughs> yes, Malcolm, Malcolm did not sign the contract. So Malcolm did not die. Riba, don't play with Betty. She's defending her husband. May Allah have mercy on her soul. She died shortly after that. So the money lender destroys the economy. The rich will remain permanently rich. The poor will remain permanently poor. More than that, the rich will constantly be growing richer and richer. And the poor will be becoming so poor, so poor, so miserably poor, that those who speak about the free market, they now have to take the free market and throw it into the garbage bin and come with something called minimum wage legislation. <laughs> because if you don't have minimum wage, you might have revolution. Because the people are going poorer and poorer and poorer. The, hate, the people of Haiti became so poor because of the attacks on the economy, they even changed this, the trinity. They have a new trinity now amongst the Haitian Christians. The father, the son, and the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> Haiti, Haiti is different from Barbados. <laughs> Haiti is different from Trinidad. Oh yes, the patients are courageous people, mashallah. So Allah says, he's going to wage war on you. So when this war takes place, these are the second people to be destroyed by Allah. Who are the moneylenders of the world today? Who control the banking system in the world today? It's the modern Western civilization. And they are the ones to be destroyed. Thirdly, Pharaoh was an oppressor. He enslaved the Israelite people. And he used slavery to build his pyramids and build all the construction and so on. And if you stepped out of line, Pharaoh will crucify you. When Allah destroyed Pharaoh for his oppression and for declaring himself to be the God, when Pharaoh was underneath the water, he realized he was not God, he was dying, and now he declared his faith. Allah then said in the Quran, Now Pharaoh, underneath the water, you now declare your faith in me? Too late, Pharaoh. <laughs> Today I'm going to preserve your physical body so that when your physical body resurfaces in the historical process, 
it will be a sign for people to come after you. That if they are also oppressors the way you are an oppressor, they will also be destroyed the way you are destroyed. The biggest oppressor in the world today is the modern Western world, headed by the United States of America. But it used to be headed by Britain. And you don't need a PhD to know that. <laughs> all right? You don't need a PhD. So all the signs from the Quran are pointing towards a great war which will take place in which Allah, the one God, is going to intervene. And he's going to intervene to destroy every town and every city which ought to be destroyed. And we've shown one, two, three. The towns and the cities which ought to be destroyed based on the Quran is modern Western civilization. Now then, what about the other part of the Christian world? When they put him on the cross to crucify him, and he is sent by Allah, Allah sent him, he is Jesus, and he's, he is someone absolutely unique in human history. No one has ever been like him. Why? He's born of a mother who is a virgin. <laughs> yes. No one has ever been born of a mother who is a virgin. When he was a baby in the cradle, he spoke. Babies never spoke before. And since then, babies have never spoken. First and only time a baby has spoken. Okay. He takes mud and shapes it in the form of a bird. And this is still there today in the, what you call the apocryphal gospels. And he blows into it and they become living birds. It's not in the canonical gospel, they don't want it here. But it's still there in those other gospels. And it's there in the Quran. He is someone who is strengthened by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Ruhul Kudus. But you know the British. They have their strange language. And instead of saying spirit, they say ghost. So Holy Ghost. <laughs> we, we prefer to use the term spirit, Holy Spirit. Hmm? And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings down the revelation to Prophet Muhammad. The Holy Spirit is the one who came to, to Mary, Maryam, inform her you're going to have a baby boy. The Holy Spirit is the angel Gabriel. And the Quran says, وَأَيَّدْنَاهُ بِرُوحِ الْقُدُسِ he is strengthened by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit touches you. And that is how the strengthening takes place. Because he is constantly touched. 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 And touching is masa. 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 Like when we make the ablution for prayer, 
We wash our hands, we wash our mouth, we wash our nose and face. But do we wash our head? No. <laughs> you take your wet hands and you pass it over your head. This is massage touch. So because he's constantly touched, he's known as Al-Masih, the one who is touched. Al-Masih, or the Messiah. But the British, you know, the British are very, very strange. They say, we take some oil and we touch it and you become anointed. It happens in a place called Westminster Abbey. And then you become queen or king, anointing. It's the same thing. The same thing. That the angel is touching him. And so he's known as the one who is touched or the Messiah. So when they put him on the cross to crucify him, that qualifies as the most terrible moment in all of history. All of history. Hmm? In previous lectures, the Quran has explained they wanted him to die on the cross. Why? Because the Bible said, it still says to up to this day, that if you die on the cross, you are the cursed of the Lord God. The Bible says that to this day. That if you die on the cross, you are the cursed of the Lord God. The Bible says that to this day. So when the Jews saw him die on the cross, they know he's the cursed of the Lord God. He could not have been the Messiah. That's why they're still waiting for the Messiah to come. But did he die? No. The Quran tells us Allah took his soul. While he was on the cross, Allah took his soul. And when Allah takes your soul, there are two possibilities. Not three. Not four. Only two. What are the two? He can either take your soul and keep it. In which case? That's it, finish, you're dead. <laughs> he can either take your soul and keep it, in which case, you're dead. Or he can take your soul and return it. In which case, you did not die. So they took down the body, they put the body in the cave, they sealed the cave, and he returned the soul, and Allah raised him. But nobody knows that, until the Quran was revealed. At that time, Allah then decided. He said to him, Ya Isa, this is Suratul, Suratul Ali Imran. Oh Jesus, Ya Isa, when Allah addresses you by your name, watch it, this has to be very important. Ya Isa, oh Jesus, I'm going to take your soul. And I'm going to raise you unto myself. Meaning after the soul is returned, I'm going to raise you unto myself. And I'm going to cleanse you of all this garbage they've thrown on you and on your mother. Because the accuser, uh, the accuser of sin, he's a bastard. 
So I'm going to cleanse you of all this rubbish they've thrown on you. Who did that? The people who rejected him as the Messiah. And those who now join with them in an alliance. Modern Western civilization has joined with the Jews in an alliance. It's called the Judeo-Christian Alliance. So they are now in company of those who throw rubbish and garbage on Jesus. And I am going to cleanse you and purify you of this rubbish and garbage they have thrown on you. How will he do it? Now listen to what the Quran says. وَجَعِلُوا الَّذِينَ تَبَعُوكَ وَجَعِلُوا الَّذِينَ تَبَعُوكَ فَوْكَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِلَى يَوْمِ الْكِيَامَةِ And I'm going to raise those Christians who are faithful to you. Those Christians who never threw rubbish and garbage on you and your mother. I'm going to raise them above these scoundrels, <laughs> above these who threw the garbage on you and those who joined in alliance with them. I'm going to raise you above them, dominant over them. That has not yet happened in history. No. When it does happen, when it does happen, then the Quran says, this will continue until the end of the world. One part of the Christian world is going to be dominant over the other part of the Christian world where the rubbish is located. And the Jews who have re rejected him as the Messiah. And when that happens, the sta status of dominance will continue until the end of the world. And so, this war which is coming is not an ordinary war. This is a war in which Allah will intervene to cause one part of the Christian world to be victorious over the other part, the Judeo-Christian world. Mm -hmm. And when this, this side is victorious over the Western world, this side will remain dominant until the end of the world. This is why I don't want this video to be on the internet. <laughs> I don't want them to know this. But this is in the Quran. Now then, we go further now. In Surah Al-Rahman of the Quran, there's something strange. The Quran has language in which Allah does not waste words. No. Allah does not waste words. He's very eco economical in the use of language, okay? So why is it in Surah Al-Rahman, he repeats one verse, 31 times. He's speaking to two people. Two people. 
And he's saying to these two people, why are you rejecting, rejecting, rejecting what I have sent? Why, why, why? So these two people are essentially a godless people. Who are they? Evil people, godless people, constantly rejecting what has come from the Lord God. Who are they? The Quran answers that question when it says, Ya ma'ashar al-jinni wal-ins. Ya ma'ashar al-jinni wal-ins. Allah is referring to a community of human beings who are evil and who are rejecting what has come from Allah. Allah has prohibited homosexuality. And they say, no, we make it lawful. <laughs> and then, in addition to the community of human beings, he's addressing a community of jinn. Jinn are unseen beings. You can't see them. They're made of smokeless fire. Hmm? Uh, are there something called angels in the world? I don't think they teach about angels at university, but we believe that they are angels, okay? And the angels are here in this room as we speak. So in addition to angels, who you cannot see, but every believer believes in angels, the Quran has informed us about another category of beings called the jinn. You may use the word ghost, or you may use the word spirit, or whatever you want to use. In the Caribbean, we have, he will tell you, we have a lot of terminology for this in the Caribbean. Yeah. I'm not going to puzzle you with some of the terms we have. As children, we grew up scared of it. So, so the Quran tells us that this is a category of beings. You can't see them. They're made of fire, but smokeless fire. And they're called jinn. And some of them are believers who worship the one God. And hence Muslim. Anyone who worships the one God is a Muslim. And some of them are satanic beings who follow Satan. So these who are evil jinn are in alliance with these who are evil human beings. And the jinn, of course, can do many, many things that human beings can't do. Indeed, the world would never have experienced a scientific and technological revolution without the involvement of the jinn. Yes. So now, 31 times in, the, in Surah Al-Rahman, Allah is directing attention to these two evil communities of human being and of jinn. And what the message is conveying has to be something tremendously important. Otherwise, why does he repeat the same thing 31 times in one same surah? This is the answer. Sanafrugu lakum Allah is, he, is re, he is directing attention to these two 
communities who are heavy with sin, sakalan, heavy with sin. And he says, I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to deal with you. And you have sakalan, the two communities of sin. How will he deal with them? Sometimes Allah says in the Quran, when I'm really very angry with the people, I give them houses made of silver and staircases made of silver. <laughs> so they build houses and staircases made of silver. And they live in fantasy land until I'm ready for them. They live in fantasy land until I'm ready for them. So now comes to the most important ayah of tonight's lecture, which I have not disclosed in public before. And I don't want it in public, Mohsen. Here is what he says when he said, I'm going to deal with you. And sometimes when he deals with you, he gives you all of these things so that we come and destroy you. Yamashar al jinni wal ins. O you community of, in which you are allied with each other, these evil people and these evil jinn, you have alliance with each other. If you wish to embark, to embark on the effort to penetrate and take control of the skies and the depths of the earth and the depths of the sea hmm? with your Star Wars <laughs> and your robotic submarines at the bottom of the sea with laden with with nuclear missiles and so on. And with your nuclear missiles bedded down in the interior of the earth, inside the earth, and it comes out from inside the earth. If you wish to embark on this effort, meaning not just for purposes of knowledge, but for purposes of military dominance to oppress others, Go ahead and proceed. Meaning, yes, you'll be able to do it. Go ahead and do it. But remember, don't forget. The only way your missiles can fly and your satellites can fly around the earth and your submarines can go down into the depths of the ocean and you can penetrate the interior of the earth is if I authorize it. They don't teach this at university, nor do their military academies know anything about this. Meaning, Allah is saying, but on that day when I do not authorize it, your missiles will not fly, or they may not fly in the direction that you want them to fly.
And so the message is there implicit in the Quran. That those who are using this technology for penetrating and controlling the skies and the sea and the depth of the earth, of the earth with their missiles and so on. And who have this assurance in their heart that they have the technology to be able to destroy others. They have a terrible surprise coming for them. What is the surprise? If Allah withdraws authority, your missiles won't fly. And now it is clear, since he says that I'm going to raise this side to a position of dominance over this side, and I'm going to destroy every town and city which ought to be destroyed. Our conclusion is that the great war which is coming is a war which will be won by the side which is not the oppressor. The war will be won by the side which is faithful and loyal to Jesus. The war will be won by the side which does not permit homosexuality. This, of course, I don't want to be on the internet. I don't want them to know what our book says. There's one more verse of the Quran, again in Surah Al-Rahman, where Allah says that He's going to attack them. I have not memorized the ayah. This is the one I have not memorized. That I'm going to send against them a flash of fire. And that flash of fire will be followed by smoke. Come on, pick up your machines and check. In Surah Surah. No, no, give me the Arabic. Give me the Arabic. سنرسل عليكما There you are. That's the ayah. Number? 35. That I'm going to send against, against you a flash of fire. And the flash of fire will be followed by smoke. That seems to me to be the nuclear weapons exploding with fire and the mushroom clouds which follow the nuclear explosions, the smoke. And uh, there's a whole surah of the Quran named Surah Al-Dukhan of smoke. The Christian eschatology speaks of three days when there'll be so much smoke. Notice the similarity between Christian eschatology and Islamic eschatology. Notice the similarity. Hmm? The Christian eschatology is going to be three days of smoke. The whole sky is covered with smoke, meaning the mushroom clouds, but the word is smoke. And so there'll be no sunlight. If there is prolonged darkness with no sunlight, nothing will grow. No food will grow, number one. Number two, the, the, the temperature of the earth will become so cold, no one will survive. No one can survive that cold. Hmm? 
and uh, you won't have electricity after that, no? So Christian eschatology speaks of three days. If it's three days of smoke, then you can survive three days. In a hadith, there's about 40 days of smoke, darkness, no sunlight. Hmm? 40 days. I don't know which one is going to be. I hope it's the Christian side. I hope it's the three days. Hmm? So that for three days, there will be no, no sunlight and therefore the temperature on the surface of the earth is going to be freezing. So in preparation for the war which is coming, we need to take into consideration, number one, storage of food. And you know, you're not going to store food in plastic because the plastic would melt. Storage of water, you're not going to store water in plastic, the plastic would melt. You will not store water in, bottles, in glasses, the glasses will break, okay? Storage of food, storage of water, and storage of wood. Wood for cooking and for making a fire to keep yourself warm. I want to end now. Uh, I have gone to... There are other verses of the Quran on this subject, but I believe I have given you the most important ones on the subject of the Quran and the Great War. Uh, I'm writing, it's almost finished now, a booklet entitled The Quran and the Great War. And if you give me maybe three days of peace and quiet, <laughs> maybe I can finish it, inshallah. And then we'll put it on the internet and you can read it, inshallah. رَبَّنَا تَقَبَّلْ مِنَّا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ السَّمِيُّ الْعَلِيمُ وَتُبْ عَلَيْنَا يَا مُولَانَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ التَّوَابُ الرَّحِيمُ بِرَحْمَتَكِ الْأَرْحَمَ الرَّحِي